Well, it is summer, and so that means I'm missing Christmas. Back in Australia, of course, we do everything upside down, which means that Christmas is in the middle of summer. Um, well, actually, it's because Australia is in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, Christmas is still December 25, uh, but that's summertime for us. Uh, but some of our European forebears, well, they missed having Christmas in winter. So we also have a tradition in Australia of Christmas in July. And basically, we'll take any opportunity to celebrate Christmas. Uh, well, Christmas is one of my fondest memories as a child. I'm one of four children, and so there were always lots of presents under the Christmas tree. And on Christmas morning, we would wake up super early, uh, really excited to go and open our gifts. Uh, one of the best gifts that my parents ever gave me was a set of walkie-talkies, two-way radios. Hello, 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 can you hear me? My brother and I had great fun playing at spies and soldiers. This is me. I'm in the backyard. Can you hear me? Uh, perhaps it was the year for walkie-talkies because lots of the neighborhood kids got the same gift and it meant that we could all play together. 10-4, little buddy. Over and out. Well, as a parent, I love seeing our kids open their gifts and enjoying them. Our gifts are given to be used and loved and enjoyed. And our Bible passage today, well, it's all about a different kind of gift, the spiritual gifts that God gives us, gifts that He loves to see us use and enjoy. This is an exciting topic to unwrap, so keep watching, and we'll find out what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts in just a moment. Well, good morning and welcome to Yontville Community Church. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here, and uh, it is so great to have you with us at church, wherever you're watching from. Uh, we would love to stay connected with you, especially at the moment while we are meeting exclusively online. Uh, as many of you know, our historical chapel in the heart of the Napa Valley, well, it's been undergoing major renovations for some time now, uh, but we are very near the end. And I'm hoping to have some exciting news for you in the next week or two about when we can get in there, uh, when we can see the church, when we can meet back together in person. But that doesn't mean that church is closed. Church is just different at the moment. And so we have to work a little harder to stay connected with one another. Uh, one way to stay connected with us is via our website, uh, right here, yonfulchurch.org. Uh, you can fill in the Connect card there. Uh, let us know how we can walk alongside you, how we can pray for you, um, what the Lord's teaching you. And that's also the way to get signed up to our weekly email newsletter and all the latest news. And uh, if you'd like a sneak preview of the renovations, head to our Facebook and Instagram pages and look for Yonville Church. You'll find some uh, pictures there that I haven't sent you in other places. Well, this week, some of us did have a little preview of what it will be like to return to church as we gathered for our monthly prayer meeting and communion. Uh, it's such a joy to pray for our church and our community and our mission to share the hope of Jesus in the Napa Valley and beyond. Uh, we would love for you to be part of that mission, uh, to partner with us in prayer, uh, in serving, and in financial support. Uh, I'm going to speak today about serving in the sermon, but for details on how to partner with us financially, head to the Give tab at uh, yonvillechurch.org give uh, for all the details on how to contribute. But it's time to turn our attention now to God's Word, the Bible, 
Uh, so why don't we pray uh, that he would speak to us today. Heavenly Father, as Jesus said, you love to give good gifts to your children. Help us to understand spiritual gifts and the gifts that you've given to each of us. Help us to use our spiritual gifts to serve one another and your church. And give us great joy as we unwrap these gifts so that your son is glorified and your church is built. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of our Summer Lovin' series. We've been thinking about the way that love transforms every aspect of us as followers of Jesus. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll be thinking particularly about how love transforms us in the church. We started this theme about church last week when we looked at the very first church in its embryonic state. It was literally the first few weeks of the first Christian church ever. And Acts 2, it paints this idyllic picture of the church who gathered every day. They were devoted to learning and loving and praying and sharing Jesus with the people of their city. It reminds me of church camps a bit. The church I grew up in used to have these amazing weekends away for 700, 800, 900 people where every generation gathered together at a conference center. It was always somewhere with a view and we'd get a prominent Bible speaker and it was always such an encouragement. As a teenager and young adult, I love those church camps. Never occurred to me the logistics involved in scheduling a conference for 900 people with a kids program and a youth program and an international speaker and uh, room allocations and tech support and bookstore and meals for special dietary requirements. The camp didn't just happen. It took a lot of organization. And I say that because lots of us look at that early church and we yearn for the simplicity and the spontaneity. You know, we wish we could go back to that moment where church just happened organically and effortlessly. But you don't have to read much further into the book of Acts to see that the church can't function that way for, uh, in the long term. We still live in the world in bodies that need to be fed and sheltered. And that usually means we have to go to work in some capacity. Somebody has to go to the store and get groceries. See, spont- uh, spontaneity rapidly becomes chaos when there's no organization. And that's before we take into account human sinfulness, which makes everything that much more difficult even in the church. So how does God turn the chaos into cohesion? How does God organize the church? Well, he organizes us by giving different gifts to each of us. So the church works when we work together. So why don't you come to 1 Corinthians 12 with me? This is one of several passages in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts. But this chapter gives a good overview and it's a really great place to start. And we'll continue the discussion next week. But the first thing we learn is that every follower of Jesus has a spiritual gift. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Spiritual gifts, this verse says, are a manifestation or an expression of the Holy Spirit's work in every believer. A little bit like when Peter Parker is bitten by the radioactive spider and the venom turns him into Spider-Man. Well, it's a little bit the same when God pours out his Holy Spirit into us. The Spirit changes us. He flows through us, and he gives us special gifts and abilities and skills that we didn't have before. And when we look at the list of spiritual gifts, some are quite impressive. Just scan verse 8 to 10. Uh, The gift of wisdom, the gift of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, These are almost in the realm of the superpowers you dream about as a kid. Well, as Peter Parker or Spider-Man said, 
with great power comes great responsibility. These gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not just for our own use. God gives them to us for the common good. It's there, it's there in verse 7. Well, God doesn't give us spiritual gifts to puff up our egos. God gives us spiritual gifts to build up the church. That's in Ephesians 4.12. It takes all kinds of gifts and abilities to make a church run. And so God provides what we need by gifting different people and bringing us together in just the right combination at just the right time so that he can achieve his purposes. God gives each one of us at least one spiritual gift and sometimes more, but at least one gift which will contribute to the church when we exercise it. So I wonder if you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are. Well, Paul starts us by uh, starts us thinking by speaking about some of the spiritual gifts that are often the most prized ones in churches, are the gifts that gain the most attention. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10. Many of these gifts can be seen in the Old Testament. Verse 8 talks about the Spirit giving some people a message of wisdom, and to others a message of knowledge. King Solomon was renowned for his great wisdom. Wisdom was the gift that Solomon asked God to bestow upon him when he became the king over all Israel. And so we're told in 1 Kings 4 that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. He was wiser than anyone else and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. And from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all of the kings of the world who'd heard of his wisdom. 1 Kings 4 verses 29 to 34. In New Testament times, I would say that God gave Peter and Paul the gift of wisdom. I'm sure there were others too, but Peter and Paul, they stand out even amongst the apostles. And we see the way that their teaching and their theological insight shaped the early church and in fact shaped every church throughout the last 2,000 years. And then when I think about our day and age, God has gifted certain Christian thinkers and preachers with particular gifts of wisdom to speak into our generation. You know, they often have prominent church platforms and writing ministries and you know, I'm actually really thankful for their wisdom and the way that God enables them to write and share the ideas that he gives to them. Uh, and that's for the good of all the churches. But I don't think Paul is talking only about gifts given to those with a public platform. Uh, in every church I've been part of and in every small group, we see the way that God gifts some people with particular wisdom and insight and an ability to apply God's word to the everyday issues of life. Perhaps you know somebody like that. Well, in verse 9, Paul says that the Spirit gifts some people with faith. This is not talking about saving faith, because we know from Ephesians 2 verse 8 that our initial faith is a gift from God, so that we can't boast about our own faithfulness. 
And I don't think it's talking about the faithfulness that God grows in each of us as one of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. This is talking about exceptional faith, the kind of faith that stands out as extraordinary and exemplary and something we would aspire to. Faith like Stephen, who we read about in Acts 6 and 7. Stephen had just been appointed one of the seven new leaders in the early church. Uh, They needed them because they needed to organize. Uh, These leaders were chosen because they were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Acts 6.3, just like the wisdom we just thought about. Stephen also, particularly, he'd performed great wonders and signs amongst the people, which is another one of the gifts on our list here. We'll read that in Acts 6.8. But his zeal made him a target for the religious leaders of the day, and they stoned him to death in Acts 7. What was remarkable, though, about Stephen's death was his great faith. Even in that moment of facing death, and even while he was being stoned, God gave a gifted Stephen the faith to speak truth, the faith to face his death fearlessly, and the faith to forgive even those who were stoning him. It's faith that reminds us of Jesus' faith at the cross. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in us. He makes us more like Jesus, conforming us and shaping us into the likeness of Jesus, as it says in Romans 8.29. And in some people, their faith shines out as a special gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure you've met those everyday Christians who exude faith despite life's circumstances. Well, the next gifts that Paul mentions are the gifts of healing and miraculous powers. This is one of those topics that can be controversial. And uh, solid, wonderful, godly, Bible-believing Christians, well, they come to different opinions about healing and miracles. Some people say that the miraculous gifts ended with the apostles. The argument is that most of the miracles in the Bible, well, they occur at uh, significant moments in salvation history. So you get Moses and the Exodus, and then Elijah and Elisha as the kingdom splits. Then you get Jesus as he reveals the kingdom of God in power and the apostolic age where the Christian message rapidly went out in the first century. Now there's some logic in that pattern and it bears out in the Bible. But I wouldn't want to limit God and say that he no longer heals or engages in the miraculous because there are just too many examples that can't be explained any other way. God clearly still heals to this very day and miracles happen. The question then is whether we can expect to see healings and miracles done at will. You know, should we expect healing every time we pray for it? Should God rescue us miraculously from every danger? Well, our experience in the world shows us that sometimes God does and sometimes he doesn't. And that was even true of Jesus' disciples while they were with him. They weren't always able to heal at will. We see an example in Matthew chapter 17. You see, healing... And miracles, well, they are completely up to God. As commentator David Pryor writes, the means, the method, the moment, the mystery, all belong to him. Well, that shouldn't stop us from praying for healing and praying for miracles. James tells us in 5 verse 42 that we should join together in praying for the sick. And God answers those prayers, sometimes in miraculous ways. And there are people in our church who've seen God perform miraculous healings that can't be explained any other way. Most often, though, God uses other means to bring healing, much less supernatural. He uses means like medicine and even just the natural processes of our bodies that fight infection and disease. These are all part of how God heals. 
Sadly, though, sometimes God chooses not to heal our physical ailments. And in fact, that will be true of all of us unless Jesus returns before we die. But that doesn't mean that God is not good. See, Jesus' death, it was all about bringing an end to death and opening the way for us to enjoy eternal life. But ultimately, God will heal everything that's wrong with this world. And everybody who trusts in Jesus can look forward to an eternal life free from illness and pain and suffering and death. That's the promise of God when we put our trust in Jesus. God makes some of that healing available in this lifetime. Sometimes he heals our physical illnesses. But he also brings healing to situations. He brings healing to relationships. And he brings healing to whole communities as the Holy Spirit transforms us into people of love and mercy and grace, just like our Heavenly Father is full of love and mercy and grace. And we should pray that God would bring healing to many in the Napa Valley and beyond through our church as we share the hope of Jesus and and his message of forgiveness and reconciliation through God's love. The gift of prophecy is next on Paul's list of spiritual gifts. We often think of prophecy as the ability to predict the future. And when you look at the Old Testament prophets, prediction was occasionally part of the message that God gave them. More often than not, the prophet's message was a call to repentance and a warning of what might happen if God's people persisted in sin. And so New Testament prophecy has often been interpreted as bringing God's word to bear in whatever situation the prophet finds themselves in. And that's what I do when I preach. I ask God for wisdom to speak the message that he would want you to hear. But then the New Testament also talks about preaching and teaching as spiritual gifts. So there's more to prophecy than just preaching and teaching. In fact, there's probably a whole sermon or two that I could speak just on prophecy itself. But I don't want to reduce prophecy to something that only pastors can do. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that actually every believer can prophesy. Because prophecy in the church leads leads unbelievers to repentance and to worship of God. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25. Again, prophecy is a gift for the church. And we hope to speak the gospel truth into many hearts. We hope to prophesy gospel truth into many hearts. If we can put it that way, we want to help many people come to repentance and faith in Jesus uh, through public prophecy, uh, through preaching and teaching, and in other contexts as we bring scripture to bear in more personal ways. Well, the last gift that Paul speaks about is the gift of tongues and the gift of interpreting tongues. Well, in the Corinthian church, uh, as in some churches today, the gift of speaking in tongues was highly prized. You can read that about that in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, essentially, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit that enables you to speak in a language that's unknown to humans, possibly an angelic language. Uh, we see that 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. Now, this is different from the day of Pentecost when all the believers received the Holy Spirit and they were able to speak in all the languages of the people gathered from every nation. Uh, the gift of tongues that day was so that they could speak about Jesus. What we normally refer to as tongues instead, it's a gift that's unintelligible. You can't understand it unless somebody has the gift of interpretation. And a little bit like healing and miracles, different Christian traditions place more or less emphasis on the speaking of tongues. And if you're interested in thinking about that more deeply, uh, get in contact with me and I can share some helpful resources. 
But the point that Paul makes here is that these gifts are gifts. They're not just our natural abilities. They're not just gifts that we choose for ourselves. God doesn't give us a, an Amazon gift card to spend on ourselves. Look at verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11. We need all kinds of gifts to make the church work. And the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to each one of us for the common good of the church. Think of a hospital. You know, a hospital couldn't function if everybody was a doctor. Hospitals need nurses and orderlies and janitors and administrators and surgeons and accountants and specialists. Well, you get the picture. You need a whole team to run a hospital. And we need a whole team to run our church. I will be coming back to this topic next Sunday uh, to think more about the spiritual gifts uh, and, and the other spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. And I also want us to think more about how each of us can use our spiritual gift and how to bring the right attitude when we serve with the gifts that we have. But for now, I want to bring you back to Christmas morning, back to that joy of unwrapping gifts and the excitement and the anticipation. Uh, our church is going to open in just a few weeks, and I'm like a kid on Christmas morning. I can't wait to see how God uses the different spiritual gifts that he's given each of you to grow this church here in Yonville, in the Napa Valley, and beyond. So if you haven't already done this, can I ask you to pray? Uh, pray for God to distribute gifts to our church through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the gifts that we need, he knows what we need, just ask him for that. Ask you to pray about your own spiritual gifts and how God might use you in this season. And I'd ask you to get in contact with me so that we can discuss the best way for you to serve and participate in our church. Why don't we pray about that now? Father, we thank you for your gift of the Spirit to us, for your presence who is always with us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way that you empower us through the Holy Spirit to work in ways that we couldn't possibly do on our own. And so, Father, we do pray that you would fill this church with uh, spiritually gifted people, uh, that you would endow and, and give to each one of us the gifts that you want to distribute so that our church can work and run and achieve the purposes that you have set out for us. Father, help us to use our gifts to build one another up and to build your church so that Jesus is glorified and many people come to him as their Lord and Savior. And we pray this in his saving name. Amen.